You're listening to BAU, Business as Unusual, the podcast that speaks to the people behind the movements, organisations and ideas that are shifting the way we think, interact and transact. Hey, Paddy here. Just a quick one to give you a bit of context of where this conversation has been recorded out of. We didn't have chance throughout the conversation or the presence of mind to let you know on the intro that Joe and I always do when we have spoken to a guest. But for this expert in the field for Data Story, we have recorded this conversation out of the nest, out of Perth Studios, and Joe's beaming in from his holiday destination. He's got the shorts and the T-shirt on, and he can hear it in his voice. But without any further ado, this is where we are, and this is how we're delivering it to you. Great conversation. Enjoy. So we've got Ali Torben on the show, and... For a bit of context, we managed to get an expert in the field. Ali is an information designer consultant who helps industry experts get their work seen, understood by designing clear and engaging graphics. Now, Ali sits at an intersection of the data storytelling spectrum, and it is at a visualisation perspective. But we got Ali on, um, and really lucky to get Ali on because she also comes at it from a multi-perspective because she runs DataViz, which is a podcast that chats to different uh, data storytelling, mainly focusing on data visualisation experts and their approach to their work and some of their methodology. So it was a treat to have this conversation that we're about to play for you, wasn't it, Joe? Getting her understanding of how to tell clear and engaging graphics and how to um, present information in a way um, that connects with the desired audience or out, outlined audience. Yeah, no, I mean, I think she's, yeah, she's really interesting in that, you know, I think she's coming at it from, uh, from as you said, Pat, like the kind of the, the view of visualization in terms of looking through um, how you actually present um, in, information. But I think, you know, the, the most interesting parts for me were really around her thoughts around kind of how you actually um, think about the audience as well as the kind of the actual uh, perspective and who's actually going to be um, what the data tells you and then who you're actually trying to communicate it to and some of the frameworks you shared around that and also this notion around kind of how it's actually used to tell, tell a story um, and I was also really you know I thought her take on kind of the, the notion of bias was really interesting as well. Mm, that bias was interesting she really comes at it from two perspectives which was great I had to hop, bite my tongue a few times um, when she was coming from the consumer point of view and then when she went into the, the professional point of view of how to deal with it when you're um, a creative designing um, informa- information from a data set was fascinating uh, and really honest and clear. <laughs> you could really tell that she does it well with information design. Um, but what I really got me excited actually was hearing future and, and just hearing some different um aspects of the data storytelling stack and and where it's heading in different creatives and how they're communicating data insight there's what is it sonic sonic data data sonification as we discover while we get into the conversation with ali so uh without further ado here's our chat with ali torben i just wanted to get a little background and just let the listeners know where where this podcast finds you Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm an information design consultant in Washington, D.C. in the U.S. And uh, generally, I help my clients create graphics, uh, infographics, data visualizations, illustrations um, to help 
bring eyes on their work, help people understand their work uh, from a data perspective. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're quite excited to have you on the show. We've been doing a lot of digging um, and questioning around how to best communicate with data. And we've really been coming at it from a story perspective and how to best link people in and get people excited about the insights that some people get when they are digging around there, but how best to communicate them. That's often the, the problem in the road of the data insight you might have a great insight into something and want to be able to share it but how do you get people to feel the same feelings that you've got through Mm. sifting through there so data visualization is a huge aspect of that because people connect so well with viz um, but also the story behind there and you've also been running a podcast of your own and been uh, asking a lot of questions of a lot of professionals yourself so that's why we're really excited to have you here because i feel like you Um, can call upon a lot of those questions you've asked of other people um, and be able to share some of that insight back to us, a bit of a data set in your own mainframe. Yes, very meta. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I was hoping you could start us off uh, just by telling us or trying to, I suppose, the difference between data storytelling or visualization, data visualization, and just visualization. What is the difference, if there is any, there other than the source? Hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, a lot of people use the term interchangeably, so that makes it a little bit confusing. Uh, to me, you know, I usually when I say a data visualization, I'm usually thinking about a singular singular chart. And then when I hear data storytelling, that could easily be in a you know that could be a singular chart because you can kind of have a storytelling aspect with your title and subtitle and your annotations. One chart can tell a data story, but. Um, I think what people often mean is maybe some sort of presentation where you're walking through a few different charts, or um, maybe you know you've probably seen on um, like WashingtonPost.com or the New York Times where they have those scrolly telling pieces where you scroll through it and you have some sort of narrative and someone mm-hmm. is giving you information about a topic and then it's zooming in and out of maps, you know. So that that in my mind is more data storytelling. Um, and that's how it differs from data visualization. I usually think that as kind of one chart, but you know, people use them interchangeably and one chart can tell a story as well. Mm, definitely. A chart can tell a million pieces. There's some amazing work out there. I think yeah, there's one that comes to mind that really touches on, uh, I suppose it was a mental health element, but it was suicide and someone really shows the graphic image of, in a really beautiful way. So it really pulls you in, but then it presents the facts with the key chart or, mm-hmm. and then you really sit with that because you're drawn into the image and then you really invest and then you really understand what's there. So I suppose the skill in the telling there is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're really trying to understand if, you, if you're using a different source of information, is there a different process behind the way you approach telling that visual story if it isn't data or if it is, is there a different a difference there? Hmm. Oh, so if there's a, a story that you want to tell and you don't particularly have a data set, yeah. A data set. Yeah, I I think that 
There are a lot of parallels to telling a regular story to and to telling a data story. I mean, you kind of want to introduce the characters and you have some sort of conflict or you're trying to answer some big question. Um, when I don't have as much experience with regular, you know, journalism storytelling, but when I'm approaching a data story, um, I, from a business perspective, I'm thinking of more of like the what, so what, now what, and that's what doc- mm-hmm. Dr. Stephanie Evergreen teaches. Um, and I have found it so useful in a business uh, uh, setting is thinking about what happened, uh, why do we care, and now what are we going to do? And sometimes you have data for parts of that story, or sometimes you have it for all of it. And so um, you don't have to rely completely on a data telling the entire story. Sometimes that's going, some of it's going to be text and some of it you're going to have a chart for. Um, another great narrative structure that I, uh, that I really like is from um, uh, a, she's a friend from uh, Reuters Graphics. She's a data journalist. Her name is German Batia. And she was telling me about this one she calls the martini glass, where if you can imagine martini glass kind of like uh, on its side, um, the base is kind of the introduction. So, you know, you tell uh, some background information about your project or your story. And then the stem is kind of you walking through the uh, the reader through maybe a certain number of events. And then at the end, you know, where the part where the martini glass, uh, where usually has liquid where it goes out, um, that's when you kind of release your data set on, uh, on, your, on your reader. Like maybe all throughout, you're just kind of pointing out key aspects of the story. And at the end, there's this interactive chart that they can um, play around with, filter, find their own story. Um, and that's, that's a uh, story where you maybe don't start out with data and then you end with data. So with normal storytelling and data storytelling, I mean, I feel like they have a very, uh, very symbiotic relationship. Yeah, interesting. And Allison, I mean, I think that what you're talking about there is really interesting around the notion that it's it's projective, so that there is there is an author in in a story, um, just like in in I guess kind of bringing data to life. There is there is a visual there is a visualization process. But as a practitioner, how do you make the decision around? what parts of that data should you visualize? Because data, data broadly is neutral. It's, you know, it, tells you, it tells you things, you can look at it, you can find patterns, but it doesn't necessarily have an opinion. Um, but the author in that has to make sense of that and actually figure out what are the key parts that are going to be communicated to the reader or the viewer in the instance of a, of a visualization. So if you can just walk us through your process around trying to figure out I guess the the key points in the data and how you would go about visualizing those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that every single time you need to focus on who your audience is because if you don't have a good understanding of what does this person already know, what do they need to know? <laughs> then I mean, you can visualize anything, and but you know, it yeah. might it might just go completely over their head, or they might not care. Um, so I like to. You know, if I have someone comes to me and they have a data set and they say that, oh, I want to visualize this. Well, the first thing I'm going to ask is, okay, what 
what's the main goal of this visualization? What's kind of the main takeaway you want someone um, to have after they're done reading this visualization? And I really press them on thinking of something because (laughs) at the end when, or as we're going through it and at the end, we're never going to know if this chart type is working, if, um, if we didn't define first what our success criteria are. So I'm when someone's describing to me what they want someone to take out of this chart, I'm think I'm trying to hear certain words. So like someone says, I want someone to see that last year's sales was more than every other year or something. And it that means, okay, so we're comparing magnitude. Okay, this is probably going to be close to a bar chart. Or if someone says, I want to show that as sales increased our retention increase, something like that. Okay, well then maybe that's a scatter plot. So I want to know what uh, what their main goal is, what you want someone to take away, and then also who they're talking to. Um, I have this whole um, sort of like a uh, a quadrant chart <laughs> that I take my clients through because um, it's very important to meet your audience at their current level of interest in the topic and their attention. Mm-hmm. So if someone, so if you think about it as a quadrant chart, your x-axis is someone's inherent interest in your subject. So maybe that they're really interested in the subject or all the way on the other end, maybe they're not in, um, explicitly disinterested, but you know, like it's not top of mind for them. So you have this sliding scale of your audience's interest. And then on the y-axis, you have a sliding scale of how um, focused the person is. So are they sitting down and reading this report and they're ready to consume it or all the way down to distracted? Maybe they're scrolling through Twitter. So knowing where your audience is, where you're meeting them, is important to know too, because you might use different engagement methods. And this is really hard for a lot of people when they first get into data visualizations, because you're seeing visualizations from a whole different um, you know, spectrum. You're seeing business reports and you're seeing these amazing data art pieces. <laughs> it's, it's, you're seeing bar chart races. I don't know if you've seen those um, going oh, through. Oh, they sound great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like an animated, the bar charts are moving up and down as time uh, yeah. goes on. So very eye-catching, but I once saw 15 bar chart races in a budget report. <laughs> it was it felt ridiculous because I was interested in this topic. I was focused in reading it, and they're trying to entertain me with 15 bar chart races. So it was just ridiculous. So you really need to know um, what your audience's level of interest in the topic and their um, their attention. And that will help determine um, a little bit more of what engagement method you need to lean into. So something like um, someone's highly interested and they're focused, that's someone maybe going through a report or reading a book that they're really interested in. Then in this case, when you're creating a chart, what you need to focus on is reducing friction. You just want someone to be able to quickly get what they want and move on. They're not looking to be entertained necessarily. Like you have some data and they want to know what your insight is and be done with it. All the way, uh, you know, uh, diagonally on the other side, disinterested and uh, distracted. That's someone kind of scrolling through Twitter. And there you'd want to lean into novelty where you have animation or um, maybe data art type things, beauty, 
then what you're trying to do is catch someone's eye. And then, you know, there's two different, um, two other quadrants. Another one that maybe your audience is, would fall into mostly is the uh, distracted and interested group, because that's usually where kind of CEOs end up because, you know, they aren't obviously interested in their company, but they're also thinking about a thousand different things. So you've got to figure out what you need to do to catch their attention And in this case, I like to lean into the what's in it for me aspect of the chart and make sure that we are focusing the chart on the specific thing that they're going to be interested in. Um, Mm. So long answer, what is, (laughs) what is, um, what's the goal? And also thinking about the audience in a very specific way, their interest, attention, and also their level of knowledge of the topic, because I mean, if you show uh, box plots of something, it just might not be, it might be completely inappropriate for your audience. So you have to think about um, their expertise in general and their interest and their attention and what your goal of your visualization is. And I think you're off to a a great start. Mm. That was a great, long-winded, perfect insight there, Ali. Thank you for giving that. There was one question that I really wanted to understand. I think you've touched on it so much in that um, reply and insight that you've given, and that is sort of identifying the key element of data visualization or data storytelling. And it seems like it's a blend and understanding story and understanding audience. But I just wanted to hear from, from your perspective, what is that most key element in the data stack it seems like data viz is really finding that it is a conduit between people who understand um data insight and then people who might not and you're sort of throwing out that piece of information that will get them to understanding and comprehending some of the aspects of that data story or data visualization element of insight but I'll hand it over to you and I'd just love to hear what is that element. A lot of people talk about the question as entering in there, but it sounds like it might be the audience. I'd like to hear your insight. Yeah, and I think the audience, um, you know, it plays off of the the insight, right? Um, If you don't really know who you're talking to, then you don't really know what insight is going to be interesting to them. So, if someone were to ask me what's the most important aspect of data storytelling, I would be, I would say context. What is the context around this data set that's going to matter to this particular audience? Um, Because, you know, some things might not matter to some people and they won't engage with it. But if you can figure out how to wrap up this data set in a way, you know, like with your annotations or, you know, the view that you show, that's going to matter for this particular audience, then, I mean, you can just have, you know, one particular piece of information that's interesting in a bar chart and it's a super impactful visualization. Mm. You don't need to um, have anything super fancy. You're listening to BAU, Business as Unusual, the podcast that speaks to the people behind the movements, organisations and ideas that are shifting the way we think, interact and transact. Your hosts, Patrick Beggs of Per Production, a production house that works with organisations to create media that strengthens culture and communicates that culture to the world. And Joe Rogers, CEO of The Contenders, 
a brand agency famous for crafting brands which deliver results for those who work for them, shop for them and support them. For more information, head to baupod.co. And if you find this podcast insightful, please help us by telling a friend and rating us on iTunes. Thank you. Now back to our conversations. And, and Ali, I mean, in terms of the kind of, um, I guess, at a kind of a, at a top line level, I mean, how, how does the, I guess, this emerging industry kind of manage bias? Because I think that's what's always interesting between the question and, and the audience in terms of kind of how you actually weight that is that the data, <clears throat> I guess the supposition is if the data is neutral, so in terms of that it has, an, it has some form of kind of answer in it, but it can be read in different ways. I mean, how do you balance that notion between there's, there's an agenda in the question and then there's also often with audience engagement, it's also that you have to pander to what they're interested in. So, you know, as a professional, how do you, how do you manage that to kind of um, pull through what's important? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely see this as twofold because one, you have to look at it as a consumer and also as the creator. So as a consumer, I mean, we can talk about bias all day long, but there's going to be people who are going to introduce bias in their charts, you know, unknowingly and knowingly. So you always have to be vigilant. And, um, and that can involve looking at the data source every single time. I'm, I might not go specifically to the link of the data source, but you have to look at it and you know do a gut check on whether this makes sense <laughs> and if they don't provide the link you know that kind of is a little bit of a question mark i know pe- people haven't always done that but more people are starting to do that now you know you need to have a url in there on where you got this data otherwise i mean you put bureau of labor statistics i don't know what that means i don't know where you got this <laughs> i don't know what what you did after the fact you know yeah so always looking at your data sort the data source of a visualization and then um, being very uh, scrutinize your axes too people do all sorts of crazy things with their axes i mean maybe you have an x axis and it's the years but then a lot of times data has missing years and then you put it in like Excel or something and it'll show the, um, the years as if they are completely um, sequential, but they're not. And you have missing years. You have 2000, 2005, 2015. <laughs> and, yeah, and you like, know, you don't even really like these perfect, like the band curves I've seen where I'm like that. It just doesn't, Reality is not like that. It's more like, mm-hmm. like this as it occurs across. Yeah, they they smooth the data too much. Yeah, and then the y-axis. I mean, if you have a bar chart, sometimes people will trun- truncate the y-axis and they'll completely sh- throw off um, the actual uh, visual representation of the data. So make sure that you're at the axes make sense. They make sense to what you think it should be showing. Um, so yeah, as a consumer, you always have to be vigilant, and then as a creator. Um, it's hard because bias is introduced all the way from the very beginning when someone is collecting data. Mm-hmm. Um, who's who you ask, who you don't ask <laughs> when you're doing a survey, all that kind of stuff, um, missing data. It's introduced at every single step. And I haven't found any kind of magic pill other than um, knowing being aware that bias is there and asking other people, okay, look, could you look at this chart and just let me know in a sentence, like what's your main takeaway from this chart? And that can give you a sense of, are you leaning too hard in the takeaway? Um, Or 
maybe your chart is leaving them confused or you um, represented it in a way that you didn't intend, it's really hard to design something in, in a bubble and not accidentally introduce your own bias. So I like to try to be aware of it and then test it. It's very important to test. Great. Thank you. Um, Ali, well answered on that one. It's a hard one to answer bias. I think you've nailed that, that it comes in at so many different levels and you have to be across it on on a lot of different ways. But, yeah, it's a, you can't avoid it. So you, nope. I suppose the best way is to start being aware and transparent around it. I was wanted to hear your insight around the future of data visualisation and where it's heading. It sort of intersects on many different industries and many different use cases. But where do you see it moving into the future? Yeah, I think the world of data viz is very exciting because um, you can see it growing. A lot of people are more interested in it. I mean, I can have an entire job just doing it, <laughs> which probably didn't um, wasn't that common just like five five years ago. Um, you can see that newsrooms are really investing in entire graphics teams. So that's very exciting. I think they, they see that uh, it makes people interested, more interested in the story. Um, one thing, one cool thing that I've seen data visualization morphing into is more experiential, uh, data experiences. Mm -hmm. So, um, things like data art or data sonification is really cool, uh, where you take a data set and you, um, uh, turn it into an audio experience and uh, allow people to experience data um, it, with another sense other than in their eyes. <laughs> so um, I think that data visualization is going to get bigger, more jobs, and then also kind of start invading your other senses. What is data sonification? Sorry. That's yeah, I, I'm not an expert on data sonification. There's a lot of <laughs> cool, cool data viz people doing um, great work. Check out, um, you can check out Duncan Gear and Miriam Quick. They're actually uh, launching a podcast in June all about data sonification. But um, there's different ways that you can encode data into sound. So you can kind of make a set of rules and um, make, uh, turn data into like a, a piece of music or something. Oh, yeah, and then yeah. you could also uh, just have each point make a particular sound. So like I saw someone turned uh, COVID data into a sonification. So it just goes through time and, you know, every ping, you hear, hear a ping and that's a COVID death. So over time, it's very um, intermittent. So like ping, Four. ping. And then, you know, of course, it's just like a straight sound, like ping, you know, like as it's, as, as the, as the death like increase. Yeah, exactly. So it can be very, um, very impactful, a data mm. sonification. So yeah, it's, it's, it's exploding and very interesting. I have to have a scratch around. Yeah. <laughs> nice and cool. And um, this is a, it's kind of, I guess it's, it's, a, it's a build out of one of the questions that I was posing when Patrick and I were originally chatting to this and uh, a listeners add, added to it, but the role of kind of um, data in creating meaning for, um, for humans. So in terms of kind of the, the role of story often, as we've kind of um, chatted about it, is that um, it's a projection of kind of what it is to be, to be human. So most of our stories are about kind of our failings, about our strengths and about these tensions. And um, Ali, you mentioned this earlier around conflict. Um, 
but yet our data seems to be about kind of um, resolving um, a conflict in, in some way in terms of that we're trying to look for an absolute truth rather than looking for something that is kind of is even more human, right? Because the, the data is actually about our behavior quite often in terms of if you have, um, you know, for example, it's a classic thing around if uh, you have someone's credit card data, you broadly have their truth, right? It's a really, you know, someone might tell you that they're really into, into health and fitness, but if they're actually spending their money on kind of junk food at McDonald's, you kind of, you get a stronger picture. But this idea about, data kind of and how it actually is in, evolved in human meaning is that it's kind of we have um i guess kind of um, proof of how we act but in terms of when you're looking at it from a visualization perspective this role of kind of actually bringing meaning to people i mean where do you think it's heading in terms of kind of as a as a form you're mentioning newsrooms using it etc but we're trying to sense make out of information but are we actually giving people meaning out of that information mm-hmm yeah, yeah, that's a really interesting question. Uh, I think one way that we are seeing that is um, instead, or in addition to, it's not just explanatory visualizations. Um, we're seeing a little bit more exploratory visualizations, um, especially, you know, you see the New York Times or something, like I was talking about that martini glass, where maybe they'll walk you through a particular story, but then you can explore it yourself. So we told you a bit of a story, and then now you can try to make sense of what it means to you. And there's this whole other niche that's, um, I think, starting to bud is um, sim- data simulations especially in the time of COVID, um, you might have seen from the Washington Post, there was a really great one um, early on where he simulated uh, what it was like for one infected person in how it infected other people. And you could kind of change mm-hmm. uh, the your inputs to kind of see how the model or the simulation would play out based on what you wanted to, um, which based on what you wanted to see and uh, how it changed um, when, when you altered those inputs. So I think moving away or at least, you know, adding on to the more explanatory visualizations, like, oh, here's, here's what we found. I I'm seeing more exploratory and, um, data simulations, which is really interesting. Fantastic. Mm. One more question, um, from someone writing in, we opened it up. It was a new, a new thing that we're doing, but Someone really wanted to understand um, from your role as a data visualization person and someone who's had the privilege of interviewing lots of different people on your podcast about data visualization. Is there a, or data storytelling? What is common, if anything, um, for a person who communicates with data both visually and I suppose even sonically now or many different senses? Are, are you picking up a common thread there or is it just an interested person playing with data? Oh, what kind of person wants to be a data visualization designer? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I think um, curiosity is the biggest thing because it's really hard. That uh, I think that's something I had trouble with at the beginning because I wanted to design data visualizations, but I kind of felt, you know, stuck. Like, what am I visualizing? <laughs> if you don't have someone giving you a data set and saying what they want to see from it, it's kind of hard to get started yourself. Um, and a thread that I kept hearing about when I would uh, um, interview people, because I interviewed people, you know, in newsrooms or analysts, it went a wide spectrum of types of people. 
the main thread was that they were curious. And if you keep asking questions, uh, you can find the interesting story. You can find the context that makes this seemingly boring data set interesting. So I think that curiosity is something that uh, will make you a really effective uh, data storyteller. Beautiful. Thanks, Ali. Fantastic. Thank you, Ali. That's been brilliant. Thanks so much for your time. Um, yeah, and I guess uh, <clears throat> very last kind of um, quick quick point is um, favorite um, visualization. So if you could perhaps just share with where the listeners kind of want to, maybe we'll give you two of your kind of favorite uh, visualization instead of putting you on the spot. It would just be great to be able to direct people to have a look uh, at some of the stuff that you really rate. Oh, man. Yeah, that's so hard. Mm, let me think. You don't have to answer now. If you want to give it to us and we can <laughs> yeah, post it in the notes, we can say, you can say dot, dot, dot now. <laughs> and it'll come. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, yeah, it might be a cliffhanger. Yeah, I have to think about it. Yeah, I've just seen well, so... I love cliffhangers, so we'll leave, yeah. leave it at that and we'll post it, we'll post it in the show You have to go to the show notes, yes. Exactly, yeah. We did that on purpose, yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for your time. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Really, no worries. Thank you for listening to BAU Business As Unusual. Subscribe and learn more at baupod.co. That's baupod.co.